Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. So I'm going to read this verse here um, out of Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. So remember I was talking in the book of Ephesians uh, about, you know, Ephesians is the New Testament book of Joshua. Okay, that's, that's really what it is. And so I'm pretty fascinated with uh, Ephesians and Joshua, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I love what's in these books. And to me, they really speak, speak to my heart uh, whenever I really give them an opportunity to. So I just pray the Lord will speak to your heart this morning. Because uh, I really uh, want to talk about, you know, despite what's going on in the world, I believe God has a promise, a land of promises for us. That's how I really feel. And that's really my desire is to go after that more than anything else. Uh, and I believe as, as we pursue that, God will give us wisdom to walk in this world. And I think that's what we desperately need right now is wisdom to be able to navigate what's happening in our world and what's not happening in our world. And I believe, uh, you know, if we, if we pursue what God has for us, there's wisdom that comes with it. So it says uh, in Joshua 1, uh, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise and cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. So uh, we have a land of promises ourselves. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That ultimately is our land of promises, those spiritual blessings that are in the heavenly places in Christ. And so everything that's there is, uh, is ours uh, right now, okay? Uh, they've been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. Christ has paid the price for all of us, not only for our salvation, but for us to have the spiritual blessings that are in Him. I like to call it our land of promises versus the promised land because it's, a, it's spiritual. Um, but here's a verse in Philippians. Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, also said this. This is, this is really important, y'all. He says, not that I have already grasped it all. Okay? Not that I already have it. Or laid hold of it, embraced it, however you want to say that, or have already become perfect. But I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was even take hold of by Christ Jesus. So although, you know, the, the children of Israel, when 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 I when these the Lord spoke to Joshua, they were not in the promised land yet. They were standing on the other side of the Jordan River. And the Lord had spoken to them five times. I think it's five times in chapter 1. I've given you this land. I've given you this land. I've given you this land. But they had not taken possession of it yet. Okay? And so that's what this, this is all about, is, is, is moving them towards taking possession of what's already been given to them. Because you can, God can, you can have something. Somebody can give you something but that doesn't necessarily mean you're possessing it. That doesn't mean you're taking advantage of it. Are you following me? I mean, we're, we are wealthy beyond measure spiritually, but we've not taken hold of that. None of us had. If Paul, if Paul said he hadn't at that point in his life, that wasn't at the beginning of his ministry. This was down the road in his ministry. If he hadn't at that point, we haven't. Okay? Are you good so far? So really what this book of Joshua is about for us today is about embracing our identity in Christ. It's embracing the blessings of Christ. It's embracing what, what Christ has for us. That's, that's what Joshua is trying to tell us. That's what Ephesians is trying to reveal to us. That we need to be people who, who go into these things and press into these things 
and begin to walk in these things and have these things. Isn't that exciting? You know, it was a gift from God. Uh, and all of us, a gift from the Lord. It's not something we earn. So this is not talking about a works or any of that, earning anything, because we don't believe in that. On any day, we don't believe in that. We believe God, everything has been given to us from the Lord. And we possess it not because of what we've done, but because of what He's done. Right? And that's what it was. They didn't do anything to deserve this land. It was given to them as a gift from the Lord. They didn't earn it. They didn't pay for it. They didn't, you know, take out a loan to buy the property and work for it. It was a gift. And so that's really what God wants us to know is that all the spiritual blessings, everything that we desire in the Lord, our identity, our purpose, our calling, what we want for our families, what we want for our, our work life or our ministry, whatever it may be, is a gift from the Lord. You, he's, he already has that for us. And God wants to convince us of that. But they had to go into the land, okay? They had to enter it, okay? And there's a difference between being given something and actually possessing it, right? Now, let me read verse 10 and 11 of Joshua. I'm jumping down a little bit because this is a really, he really emphasized this. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you're going to cross this Jordan. Boy, he was prophetic, wasn't he? This, you know, there's some crazy stuff in here. Analogies, prophetic pictures of what happened at the cross. I mean, it, when you really read it, it's just astounding. Uh, you know, like for that, th- in three days. You know, that speaks of a resurrection, a death and a resurrection. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, the Bible's really amazing. Uh, to go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess it. And so God gave them the land, but it didn't mean they were going to sit back and do nothing. Okay? He said, you've got to do something. You've got to possess it. You've got to enter it and possess it. Okay? So the question is, here's the question we should be asking ourselves. Number one, what does God have for me? Have you asked that question to the Lord lately about your future? What does God have for me? And only you can answer that question. Nobody else can answer that question for you. you. That's something you and God have to get together on and ask him, Lord, what do you have for me now going forward? I mean, you know, this is a good time to do it too, right? I mean, it's just a natural time where we're transitioning into a new year and what's behind is behind us so it's a good time to say Lord what what do you have for me in 2024 and then beyond and not assume anything not presume anything someone asked me the other day if I what my new year's resolution was which I don't really do them because I don't really need to do them you know what I'm saying some people need to do them this person who asked me is very undisciplined you know and needs to get their life together. And I said, he was said, man, I can't believe you're not doing it. I'm like, I don't really need to do a resolution. I need to find out what the Lord has for me. But I think you need to make some resolutions. You know, like you need to do better with your, just your everyday lifestyle. Well, I'm not saying that to anybody, anybody in here. You know. It's okay to do resolutions. Well, actually, um, anyways, I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> So really is, what does the Lord have for you? Okay? And what can you do to prepare yourself for it? That's the, que- that's the next thing. You see, when you ask the Lord for something, and he begins to re- if, he, if he begins to reveal things to you, then the next thing you can do is ask the Lord, what do I need to do to really enter into that and walk in that? That, I think I can give you some suggestions uh, about some things you could do uh, to help yourself enter into whatever God has for you. But would you be interested in that? And because that's what Joshua chapter 1 is all about, really. It's about that. It's about how we can embrace and prepare ourselves for what the Lord has for us. Uh, so I wanted to give you a few of those. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. So the first one. Oh, um, recently... 
I was thinking about this. It, this chapter just began. After the death of Moses, that's an ending, right? Then the Lord spoke to, to Joshua. That's a beginning, right? So you see right, right at the very beginning, there's an ending and there's a beginning. So for us, we have an ending, 2023, and we have a, a beginning, 2024. So think about this. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. That's the, one, some of the most important, one of the most important phrases in the Bible is in the beginning. So all of our beginnings, whether it's just a new beginning or a renewed beginning, it's going to work better for you and I if we have God in our beginning. Okay? Jesus Christ is what? The Alpha, the beginning, and the end. Even our endings, need, we need God in our endings. We need God right now to be able to end 2023. No matter how your 2023 end, uh, went, it can end well with Christ. Amen? Yeah. And when we begin to invite him into that, you know, and lots of times, this is curious to me in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God, and then it starts talking about the earth being dark and without form and void. And so lots of times in a beginning, that's the way it feels to us. Because we don't always know the future. Most of the time we don't, right? And so lots of times our future feels that way. I don't know about you, but lots of times that's how my future feels to me. It feels like it doesn't have form to it. It feels like there's there's an empty space in it. There's a certain amount of darkness associated with it in terms of what is my future. What does it really look like? Am I talking to anybody? I mean, am I the only person in this room who has curious thoughts about things like that? Well, I'm trying to get you to think about your life, you know. And so we have God there in the beginning. Then God will begin to shed some some light on it. Well, Andy Squires asked me a couple weeks ago, Hey, Byron, what do you think the Lord has for River Life next year? Well, I would be lying to you if I gave some elaborate answer. Um, my first thought was, I don't know. That's the first thing that came. I have no clue what God has for River Life because we're into a new time. We're in a new time, y'all, in the world. And now's the time for us to really fill that darkness and fill those voids with what God has for us in our life. But I will tell you there's one thing, when I sit there for a moment and thought about it, there's one thing that's, that I know for sure is that I believe that the one thing that we must have is that Christ must be central. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not re- Listen, not revival, not the prophetic, not missions. And I love revival, I love missions, and I love the prophetic. I have d- deep passions about all, the, all three of those things. And I want to go after those things constantly. But they, they cannot be central. I've been around the Christian world long enough to see when those things become central. I've, I've been there to see the end of that. And it's not, not always good. Are you all with me? If you go into the book of Revelations and read about the, the church at Ephesus, you know, which was a mighty church... You know, they were apostolic, they were discerning, they had done these amazing things, you know. I mean, they had like an amazing resume at the church. If you didn't know, if you didn't know the last thing that Jesus said, you'd be in awe of that church, right? But then he said, I had this one thing against you. Despite all that, you've left your first love. You've left your first love. You see, that's the thing that we have to keep central in our life. We do really do, y'all. We really have to make sure that's the main thing in us. No matter what the other passions you have in your life, which are probably all the Lord and probably really wonderful things, that's the question you have to ask. Have those things become bigger than my love for Christ? And lots of times we've seen that in the past few years. 
Listen, we have seen politics. We have seen the, the uh, medical industry and what they say become greater and cause divisions, which says to me, we've allowed those things to become greater than the love of Christ. Now, it really is the truth. And that's where the church is at these days. You know, where if we stay grounded in Christ and we keep Him central in our life, we can really navigate those things well. You know what the Lord told the, the church at Ephesus? This is what He said. If you, if you hear me, if you hear me, and basically what He was saying, if you'll resolve that, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is found in the paradise of God. You know what that means? Practically, it means wisdom. It means joy, it means peace, it means revelation, it means knowing how to navigate the world, the difficult world you're in because you're getting information from heaven because the tree of life is the Lord himself, is the heavenly wisdom from above. That's what he told them. If you will keep me central, all the things that you really need, all the things you really desire and must have, you'll, you'll bear to have it. I'll grant you that. Am I talking to anybody? And so I think that's really important for us as we move forward into 2024 as believers is that we reestablish that in our hearts. That's the first, the first thing. We reestablish our first love. Okay? Uh, I wanted to read this verse. From, it's from the Passion Translation. I love, <laughs> love some of the verses in the Passion Translation. It's 2 Corinthians 1.20. And it says, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Him, being in Christ. So all the things that we're hungering and desiring for, they're going to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And His yes, that's Jesus' yes, that's the thing. That's the, his yes is, Lord, what do you have for me? When He tells you that, that's His yes over your life. His are you, did y'all get that? Am I talking to anybody? And, his, and as his yes and our amen, our yes to God, our agreement with God, ascend to God, they bring glory to God. That's how we can glorify God. It's coming into this agreement with the Lord himself and what he's declaring over our lives. We have to stop letting the world de- declare over our lives, y'all. We have to stop, de- stop the negative voices from declaring over our lives. It's, yeah, I think it's really, really powerful. So let me just say it one more time. Not revival center. In fact, one, you know what? One of my bucket list items for, before I cease my pastor of river life is for us to have a revival, a real revival. You know, I have, y'all got some of the people in this room have bucket lists, right? Things you want to see happen before you die or before you graduate from college or whatever, before. So mine is, I, I have a bucket list. I've already accomplished, like, one of the things I had on my bucket list was I want to get the church paid off. We did that. Like, okay, that's off. I'm waiting on the revival now, Lord. I really want a revival really bad, and God's made us revival people. He really has. We're people who have a passion for it. Most of us do. The rest of you, once you get into it, you'll have a passion in that moment at least. As one person said, when, when, uh, when revival hap- happens, heaven is populated and hell is depopulated. Hell's plundered. And that's why we love it. But we can't just be a revival. Revival can't be our center. It can't be our focus. And the same thing goes with missions. Of course we're going to do missions. We can't help it. It's in our DNA. And we want to do it. We want to go and do what we're supposed to do in other places. And thank God he's given us a lot of grace to do it, but that can't be our center. Okay. Thank you, Lord. All right, let me read another verse. Am I talking to anybody? I feel like, y'all, come on, help me. Verse 3, every place of which the sole of your foot steps, that's important. That kind of goes back to you need to prepare you know, the first thing that uh, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, he gives f- chapter 1 through 3, he talks about the glorious inheritance, all this beautiful stuff. And then the first thing he says in chapter 4, everything shifts to pr- practicality. He says, walk worthy. Yeah. 
In other words, you've got to walk this thing out. There's something for you to do in this. And so here he is. The Lord said, every place of your foot, the place of the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you just as I have spoken to Moses. From the wilderness, and this is all really key right here, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. Notice all of this territory, specific place. No one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Isn't that powerful? So here's, this is really important. What the Lord was saying, as I was with Moses, that's the past. And I can imagine Joshua at that moment remembering the glory of the Lord on Moses when the Moses and all the glorious things the Lord did and how the Lord took care of them in the wilderness and provided food for them and protected them and provided light and guidance for them. He was remembering. And so I think that's a really important thing that we have to do to really move forward. We have to remember how God has moved in our life, how God has helped us over this past year or in even further. It really, you'll begin to see the hand of the Lord. How many people feel like they had like a defining moment this year in 2020, like a defining moment with the Lord or with, it could be a, a natural, a practical thing. And so those are the kind of things we look back on because those things give us faith, they give us courage to move forward. Okay? Because what the Lord was saying, the God of the past is still the God of the present. And He's going to be the God of the future. Okay? Now here's where you have to be careful. This is, this is the truth. This is where a religious spirit interjects itself into our life when we start remembering you know, the religious spirit says this. One, it says, God really did move back there. It was awesome. And God's going to really move powerfully one day with you. But not now. Did y'all get that? God, will move in the, God moved in the past. He's certainly going to move in the future, but he's not going to move now. And that's sort of how the religious spirit keeps the church tamped down. That God's not going to move now. Yeah, he's going to move one day. You know, Byron, one day before you retire from being a pastor, I'll move. Maybe, you know, I'm like, I'm running out of time. <laughs> and I, I, I got to get the, you know, there's few, there's a sand, the sand, the grains of sand are getting less and less. I can't be waiting forever. Right? We need to really understand that. Okay? So, so one of the things that I did, am I... Okay, I'll just hush. <laughs> One of the things I was doing, you know, I was talking about unwinding, and you can hear the Lord. So I was laying in my bed one night in the last couple of weeks asking the Lord about my future, my personal future. And I felt like the Lord started speaking to me. I think, oh, my gosh, I think God just, just spoke to me. You know, sometimes when God speaks to you, it's like a light going on, Right? But sometimes when he speaks, it's real subtle. It's real gentle. It's real like, oh, I think God just spoke to me. One of my defining moments this year was driving down the road, and I saw something, and I went, and I said, oh, my gosh, I think God just spoke to me. And he did, and things began to shift in a certain part of my life from that moment. And so I was, I was remembering. And my point is I was remembering Okay, here's what I was doing. I was remembering my career as a pastor, if you can call it that. And I was remembering how terrible of a pastor I was early on. How, you know, aggressive I was. And, and I'm, you know, just, uh, you know, I go back. If I went back and listened to some of my messages from 20 years ago, I'm like, I'm kicking him out. <laughs> that was just slam mean. You know, too pushy, too pressing, all this stuff, you know. Now I'm thinking more like, oh, we need more wisdom. We don't need a bunch of people pushing us, pushing us around anymore. We've had enough of that. We need God's wisdom to come and guide us and lead us. 
But as I was remembering that and repenting, you know, for the 900th time, have you got anything like that in your life? You're going, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. Lord, I tell you, I didn't do so good. I don't know why you let me do it. I've often told the Lord this. I would not have let me be a pastor if I were you. If I was in charge, I would not have been a pastor. That's what I've told the Lord. I, I don't know why you did this because I haven't really done that well at it. Okay, but as I was remembering that, and going through it, then I felt that the Lord spoke to me about my future. And so I believe as we remember, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. And here, here's the reason I'm not, because of what I just said. In the past, I would have been declaring that like nobody's business without letting God's wisdom come into my life and God really confirm it to me through other voices. You hear me? Are y'all hearing that? You know, now sometimes God will immediately, but sometimes we need to let things marinate in us and let God work through us and then just sort of let it start coming forth and see God move. And I think from what I, I feel like the Lord was telling me is, is we have a really good future ahead of us despite what's going on in the world. In fact, I think we, well, let me just say this. Remember the wedding at Cana? Y'all remember that? They ran out of wine. Remember what happened? And you remember what those people said to Jesus? You've saved the best wine for the last. I think the Lord has some really good wine for us. I really believe that. I feel like some of the be- his best wine he's going to pull out and give to us. You know, I really am asking the Lord how to, you know, get there. And, you know, that whole wedding thing was really, it was a sign. That's what it says. But it really was a sign of the new covenant. That's what it, really what it was all about. Jesus was basically saying, hey, fill them things, them water pots for purification up with water. That's what they did. And then he turned it into wine. And basically he was saying, all that stuff's over with. The wine of the kingdom of God has come. It's the best. All that other stuff is done with. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful how the Lord does things? But we don't catch all that always. And they didn't catch it then, but later they did. That's why they said it was a sign. It was pointing to the kingdom coming. Pointing to the law of Moses has being taken care of now in Christ. Okay. Yeah, man. Here's another thing that I think is really important for you and I. You know, when, when I say remember, uh, you don't go back there. It's not what he was saying. Don't, don't remember to go back. You know, you remember to get courage and get your faith activated to go forward. That's what he was saying. Um, you got to leave where you were spiritually. Everybody in this room, wherever you've been, you, we had to leave that place in our hearts. And we had to go forward with what the Lord's now doing and what the Lord wants to do in your life to, now, from, from today on. As good as it may have been, your, your best days are not behind you. I believe the Lord's saying your best day's in front of you. Listen, the world's going to tell you it's, it's behind you. You're, you're doomed. You're, but they're saying America's doomed. But I'm saying it doesn't matter if America is doomed. My best days are in front of me. I think when we can settle that, when we settle in our hearts that our best is in front of us, regardless of what happens in this world, then we can live above these things. Because God is calling the people who can live above these things and not be pulled down by these things. And know how to navigate this world for our children and our grandchildren. You know, some of us, we won't be here 25, 30 more years. But our grandbabies will. We need to leave them something. We need to leave them a spiritual inheritance. Something to build on where they can navigate whatever's happening then. That's what I believe. Well, God made all these divisions. Notice what I said. Notice, you know, he started telling them where their land was. He was giving them a territory, a territory that had borders on it, okay? 
And if you think about it, if you go back into Genesis, God created, he created division. He created, he created day. He created night, right? He created seed time. He created harvest, right? He, he created the, the oceans and he created land. He put a place where everything was positioned properly. And so what happens is what he's called us, he has a place for us, for each of us in his kingdom. There's a specific territory. There were 12 tribes. They all had a specific place that was given to them that they lived in. And they raised their families and did what they did in those specific places. Well, here's what's happening in the world, right? The world is taking boundaries away. See, God created a man and he created a woman, and the world's trying to create a to take that boundary away. Men are women and women are men. That's not true. Y'all, that's that's coming against how God's created order is. Every every planet in our solar system, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, whatever. I forgot what they are. Uranus, Pluto's way out there. They all have a specific orbit, an assigned orbit around the sun. And if one of those planets gets out of that orbit, it messes up everything. And see, God has given you and I an orbit around Him. Okay? In the natural, adults and children are different. Adults should not be doing adult things with children, period. See, that is is hideous in the Lord's eyes. Because you've crossed a boundary and, and they're making it okay. That's not okay. None of that's okay. See, none of this stuff's okay. They're trying to tell you it's okay. There's a narrative that says it's okay. But that narrative is a lie from hell. It's a lie from hell, y'all. And a lot of Christians buy into that lie. But that's destructive. That's destructive. You know, so that's what he was trying to tell Joshua. Listen, you, there's this order that God has created, and you have to fit into his order. And if you get out of his order, it creates chaos. Are you hearing that? I'm not talking about just that, all that stuff. I'm talking about us spiritually. When we get, try to get into somebody else's place, it creates chaos. God wants us to be secure enough to find out who we are in him and what he has for us. Hey, here's, here's, let me tell you the truth here. One of my problems early on as a young pastor, I was insecure. I didn't really know my place. I didn't feel good about me. I didn't feel good about me. I didn't feel worthy to be a pastor. That's what made me so aggressive. Because I felt like I had to overcompensate constantly. I'm telling you all my dirty secrets. <laughs> That's why I told the Lord, you shouldn't have done it. You made a mistake, Lord. The Lord knew what he was doing because nobody's perfect. He uses the Arnots. He uses the broken. He uses people who don't have good identity because he sees their future and he keeps telling them somehow about their future. Hey, I got something for you. That ain't who you are. You're not acting right because you don't know who you really are. You don't have a revelation that you need to have, but I'm going to give you that revelation. I'm going to give you the revelation you need to be who you're supposed to be. I'm going to give you the revelation where you can feel secure in your own skin. And do what you're supposed to do. And when we try to step into trying to be somebody else or act like somebody else, we have stepped across a orbit or a border that we're never supposed to do. And people do it because they are insecure, y'all. It really is. I mean, I, I know. I was one of them. And, you know, but you don't have to do that. None of us have to do that. Because God equally loves everyone and God has something for everyone. Just like each of the tribes, he has something specific for them. Are y'all following this? Well, I hope you are. Okay. Here's a great thought I had about that. The ocean is beautiful, right? We love the ocean. Let's go to the beach. It's not so beautiful in a hurricane, is it? Because what has the ocean done? It has broken into the land and what is that called a storm that's what we're experiencing now in the spirit realm in America there's a storm that's happening fire is amazing in a fireplace but when it gets in your attic it's not so amazing is it no you see it has a place and that's the way God created it I just think those are good, good thoughts to have you know 
When you do not have boundaries in your own life, things get into your life that shouldn't. That's the truth. Things get into your life that shouldn't. Your work life interferes with your family. I'm just giving you examples. Your leisure time interferes with your communion with God. Your social media time interferes with everything. <laughs> right? See, those, we have to have boundaries of all. That's why I was talking about my friend earlier. has no boundaries in his life. None whatsoever. And because he don't have boundaries, he don't see that you have boundaries. So he'll take your stuff and use it without asking you. You know? And I was like, what is wrong with him? Come be, be grabbing my stuff, man. I mean, I'll let you use it, but you could ask. Why doesn't he ask? Because he don't have his own boundaries. I'm not talking about being stingy. I'm just talking about what, how we should honor other people's boundaries. In other words, I shouldn't be going over here and grabbing Tim's coat and wearing it without asking him. And he would probably say, yeah, you can wear my coat. But if I just grabbed it, he'd be thinking, what is wrong with him? You can't just be getting my coat. You think, what's he, are you stupid? You know, come on, man. Mm. All right, let me get finished with this. When we covet a place God has not given us, we drift outside our realm of authority. Right? When you try to get a, when you try to get a place that God hasn't given you, you lose your authority. Your authority doesn't go with you. Your authority stays in that territory that God's given you. That's why some people can really speak powerfully, like in the political realm. They can speak powerfully because God's given them authority there. And the church needs people like that. Or people can speak, you know, I know somebody right now that has an apostolic call on their life. I mean, I've known it for years. And I kept wondering when they were going to come into the church and begin to influence the church until I had a deep conversation one day and realized their apostolic authority is in the business world. Because they were telling me all this stuff they, were, they have done and what they wanted to do. I'm like, man, that's an apostle in the business world. And if they came into the church and tried to do it, it wouldn't work. Just like it wouldn't work for me to go try to go into business world and make money, I would go broke. Because that's not the realm that God's given me. All right, I'm going to hush about that. Yeah, man, I'm going to... Let me read this one. Be strong and courageous, verse 6. For you shall give this people possession of land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may achieve success wherever you go. That's kind of important. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. There's a lot in that. Right? For For then you shall make your way prosperous... Everybody, then you shall, then you will have success, prosperity, and success. Who wants that? Who, who doesn't want that, right? And he just gave us the word of the Lord right here. Gave us information on how to be prosperous and successful. It really did. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, isn't that beautiful? Well, so. You gotta not let other people sway you. Right? That's what he was saying to Joshua about being strong. You gotta be resolute. You gotta be firm. When when you know what the Lord has for you, you're gonna get well intended and not so well intended people and devils that are always not well intended trying to sway you off the path that God has called you to be on. You're gonna have to really be careful about that. Uh because you can talk yourself or someone can talk you off your path. Somebody can get you onto their path because they need you on their path to help them. And, but they want more than you just helping them. They want you to be on their path with them when God has not called you to be on their path. Are y'all getting this? this and so what you need to do is we always need to encourage other people and help them, but we can't allow them to pull us off from what we know deep in our heart God has called us to be and to do.
that's, that's going to be the key for you. And that's what he was saying to Joshua. There's going to be things that are come that's going to try to knock you away. But don't, don't give in to it. Be strong and courageous, mean, meaning courageous, meaning this. This is going to be stuff that's going to scare you. You're going to be facing some situations. Hey, you know what they were facing uh, with those going into the promise? They were facing giants. Giants still lived in the land of Cana. They were, they were the, the descendants of the Nephilim. That's why they didn't go in originally. They saw these giants. They saw grapes as big as a basketball. That's not natural. It took two men to carry one clump of grapes. That's not natural. Those giants had manipulated the ground, genetically modified. That's the first mention of genetically modified food in history. It's true. They, because giant, these giants needed a lot of food. One little thing of grapes, they would have just sucked that down. They would suck a whole garden of grapes. So they knew how to genetically modify stuff. And they modified their foods there. They modified the animals. That's why the Lord said, when you go in there, kill them all. Because they're all defiled with bad genes. They're all defiled with these fallen genes. There were seven lords of the Philistines. And they all had that Nephilim thing. Because the Lord didn't say kill everybody always. He said kill them. Because somehow they got through the flood. But they, if you go back and study just from a historical perspective, they were the most warlike and evil culture that had has existed in all history. And they were going in to face that, those guys. I mean, they were facing some major league. And so here these guys were. They were not trained for combat. They had no weapons of war. They were, they were fixing to have no food. The manna was going to come to an end. So here they were. That's what they were facing. It sounds really fun reading it, right? Be strong and courageous. Yeah, we're going to get them. Until you go in there and there's a seven-foot guy you're going to fight. You know, that's got big, huge muscles and is mean and knows how to fight. And you don't know how to fight. It's like going against a mixed martial arts guy. You don't want to do that. I mean, seriously, they, would, they could kill you. Because that's all they do with their life is punch all day. Yeah. So I think there are things we're going to have to face that's going to be just going to be scary. But the Lord wants us to be strong and courageous. Amen. Well, I did want to read this one other thing, then I'm going to stop because I'm feeling this. He said to meditate on the word and keep it in your mouth. Isn't that interesting? Meditate on the word, keep it in your mouth. Okay? Now, if y'all remember correct, how many people remember the decades prophecy? Decades. Hebrew numbers. We Listen to this. We are in the Hebrew decade, 5780, to 5789, corresponding to 2020 through 2029, okay? Every Hebrew decade of numbers is represent, represents something. This one is the word P-E-Y, P-E-Y in Hebrew, which represents the mouth. Isn't that interesting? If you go back and you study this, I've done this. This is fascinating. If you go back and study decades, like I went back and studied from the 50s, all the way through. And every decade, and look at what those Hebrew uh, words, the Hebrew word for that decade was and the symbol for it. You will find what God was doing in that decade. Like the decade before ours, guess what the, the, the uh, symbol was, the word was? It was I. Think about it. It was a time where a lot of people were starting to have revelation, vision, that's where it really became prominent in the church. Y'all following this? Okay. There's something to this. This is not just, this is, this, is, this is information the Holy Spirit wants us to have so we can cooperate with Him. The mouth's important. Okay. 
It's really important. So this decade emphasizes the math. What we speak, what we give voice to and declare. Are y'all following that? What we speak, what we give voice to and what we declare. We're in a decade of learning how to speak. We're in a decade of learning how to declare. We don't know how to do it yet. We're just in the beginning of it. Just like when back we were learning, trying to learn how to see in the Spirit and how to you know, receive visions from the Lord and all that, that kind of stuff. That's what all that was about. They tried to t- and so many more people now can dial into the Spirit realm like crazy. I mean, and, and, get, and see all kinds of stuff. There's so many more prophetic people now. They're really accurate. And all that really got accelerated in the 10 years prior to 2020. And so now we're in this time. It's not that we don't quit doing those things, but God's now saying, but I need you to learn how to speak. I need you to learn how to declare. I need you to get, I need your voice. I need you to give voice to some things. You know? And that's what he was saying to Joshua is keep the word of God in your mouth. Okay, so it's time for us to be fortified. Everybody like that word fortified? You know, that's from the old milk cartons. Fortified with vitamins A and D. It means, you know, strengthened. Okay, it's time for us to be strengthened in the scriptures. It really is, y'all. It really is. It's time to be strengthened and learn to think and give voice to the word of the Lord. Now, that's what we have to do in this decade. That's how we're going to, one of the ways we're going to get through some situation is because we're going to think the way the Lord's thinking and we're going to be able to give voice to what He's thinking. And I think that's really important that we really be intentional about the Scriptures. And be grounded in the Word of God, and learn, you know, and know what's in the Word of God, and have a have a working relationship with with the Scriptures, because that's how the Holy Spirit, that's how He does it. He uses that in us, because the Bible says those word, the Word of the Lord is already written on our hearts and mind, but He's given us a written Word to help bring that out in us, so we can have a handle and be able to speak it into situations. Hey, I. I heard this amazing testimony that happened in 1950. It's an old testimony. Kenneth Hagin Sr. Was, y'all, I mean, y'all know about big old Kenny, man. He was amazing. But, he, you know, he was just an old country guy uh, and got healed miraculously through his own mouth because the Lord told him when he began to believe in it and reading scriptures, the Lord said, well, you, you, can, you can, he didn't have nobody. He was a young, young guy. He was going to die. He had all kinds of terrible things wrong with him. Um, but he got healed. He spoke the word of the Lord, and somehow this anointing of faith came into his life. But he was talking about the different ways that God heals in the Bible, which was really fascinating listening to him. But um, This was later in his life. But he, he told about this one testimony of healing uh, that was so powerful, man. I mean, it just... Um, he said he was in this church. Maybe there was a couple hundred people there. And he pre- what he would do is he would preach. And when he got through preaching, he would put a chair up next to the stadium. And people who needed healing would come. And he'd pray for them one by one. And he said he would always try to talk to them. You know, he'd take time with each person. No, no matter how long it took, he would do that. And so he saw this, this woman came up. And she had a little baby in her arm. It was a little four-year-old boy. And he noticed his legs. His legs, he says, his leg dangled. His legs dangled. And they were real, like just a, what he said, like a little pipe just hanging off of him. And the baby had polio. This was 1950. Kids still had polio then. And he was crippled for life. And so the woman came, brought the baby to him for him to pray for it. He took the baby into his arms and he says, that was the last thing I remember. And he said, when I came to, opened my eyes and looked around, the baby was running up and down the stage. Isn't that amazing? He said, and so he had to ask 
the people there are like, what happened? And they said, this white cloud came down when you took that baby into your arms. And it rested there a minute. And that's when that baby got healed. And he said this, people actually thought, he, he said, they actually thought I did it. <laughs> and they come running up to this day. The, the pastors or whatever had to stop the people. Like, no, you can't, you know, overrun this guy. But man, when I heard that, man, it just made me want to weep. You know, that the, you know, what a powerful thing for God to do for a child. What a powerful thing. And Kenneth was saying this. He said, I've, went to, I've gone to churches and prayed for the sick and declared stuff, and nobody was healed. And his whole point was, you know, God did it. And sometimes God will use you to speak the word of the Lord for healing, and sometimes God will just jump in there and do it himself. And, you know, I think God really, man, wouldn't it be great, y'all, if the Lord would do something for river life to heal children. Every time I hear a testimony about a child, something good for a child, it, it makes me, my heart melts. It, it makes me want to cry. I mean, I mean, this is a 70-something-year-old testimony. That baby's probably 80 years old now. I'm an 80-year-old man now if he's still alive. But I believe that God has a heart for children. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I think God wants to stop abortion. And I, want, I think he wants to stop the trafficking. Okay? And I think he wants to heal children. And I've told the Lord, Lord I, you know, if we, if we can pick something to do, as a church, I, let's do that. Let's heal the children. Let's get all the kids that are broken and heal them. Wouldn't that be wonderful, y'all? Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.